the world has come a long way since, you know, since Fitzcarraldo. Fitz <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emotions, experiences. I remember being at your house, like uh, growing up in high school and stuff. The array of reading material in the bathroom was always fascinating. <laughs> I remember, like, I would I would go to the bathroom and like pick up Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's true. Just, I kept that in my bedroom bathroom. Just like pick it up to a random page and be like, "Who talks like this?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I'm I'm visiting home now, and uh, in the lower bathroom, the sort of communal bathroom in my mom's house, all the reading material is the same from 1997. It's like all of our Bart Simpson comics and Calvin and Hobbes books are still piled up right next to the toilet where they've always been. So you're probably. You know, I just can't imagine like the fecal content, the airborne <laughs> fecal content that has landed on those books over the years. You know, I, I kind of made a commitment early on in my life never to worry about airborne fecal content. Ooh, lucky you. The connection is ancient, really. Just as we've always done around campfires, today's consumers respond to a brand's stories. We can help tell your story through sight, sound, sense, social. Maybe I can market a new product. Bowling ball hole sanitizers. Or just hole sanitizers. Holes. Think of all the holes in your life that need to be sanitized. We put people in the mood to buy. I guess we should tell people what we're doing and what this is. Yeah, so this is a, a podcast. Uh, this is we're, we're trying to reinvigorate the spirit of far off sounds. We're trying to. I think it's got to be. I'm I'm really worried about the level of room tone and like not just the like echo. And I, I I think we're nailing it. To be honest with you. First strategy behind music branding and mood is the world leader. Mood making your business sound like your business. Trying to keep the dream of telling the infinite story of music alive, and so one of the things that we can offer uh, to our subscribers is access to this wonderful new podcast that we're about to start. So I was thinking about what the mission of this, how we can kind of like concisely think about the mission of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Far Off Sounds is a video, a documentary web series. We make short films for the internet about music and the way that it's used and uh, experienced by people around the world. And I was just thinking that maybe this is an experiment, this podcast is like just an experiment of extending that project a little bit into a realm where more people can access it, into a place where more people are like consuming content, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I, you know, I like... Um... So when I'm watching Far Off Sounds or a similar episodic documentary content, it Pretty it de it demands my full attention. Yeah, completely. You can't you can't watch it while you're doing the dishes. No, and this is totally the this is this is the far off sounds version that you can you know make sushi all day too or like. But I also think it's there's something else which is that it's not quite that it's supplement it's very supplemental I think it's also it's like we're not going to be doing little podcast documentaries in the style of far off sounds or even or like ninety nine percent invisible or anything like that we're. We're going to be just having kind of extended conversations with people involved in music and sound. And we're also going to be peeling back the hood a little bit on far off sounds and just kind of like talking about it and talking about our experience making it and talking about some of the people who we've filmed with. And so in that sense, it's not as if it's just carrying the project of far off sounds into a podcast. It's like it's whatever this is, is supposed to ride on the back 
of the web series. Correct. It's supplemental. It's supplemental. It's extra credit. It's it's a little bonus content of sorts. It's something for. Uh, it's it's a way for us to uh, kind of deepen the relationship between us and our subscribers, and even blur those lines a bit uh, as a way to uh, hopefully continue production of this show. Do you mean blur the lines between us and the subscribers? Yeah, I think I will. I'm a, what, in, in what, I'm the, supposed to be a subscriber now, Jacob. No, I mean, you, do you know what I mean or not? I do. Okay, great. We're, yeah, we're making, <laughs> so it's going to get a little contentious, folks, because that's my love language. Um, Amazing. What do you tell people when you are trying to describe what Far Off Sounds is? What, what do you say when uh, your uncle asks you about Far Off Sounds? I say it's a series of documentaries about um, musical subcultures around the world. That's my elevator pitch. Now, what do you... What do you uh, what do you say when someone, uh, when you're explaining Far Off Sounds to someone who's like in the industry or making similar content? I would say the same thing. Really? Yeah. I would say that, yeah. I mean, I think that's real, literally what it is hmm. in a nutshell. We, we explore musical subcultures. Okay. I think that applies to pretty much every episode we've ever made, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do you say? I say it's a, it's a, uh, a documentary series about music experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, or unique music experiences. Yeah. Um, but then if I were to um, try and talk to someone who kind of gets it already, I would say like it's a kind of, we explore like uh, the ways in which music is used uh, around the world. We dive into like super deep like subcultures or um, traditional folk music. Um, so I, I guess it kind of depends. I, I also don't, do elevator pitches. I'm not in that world. Yeah, you got to say it in like five seconds or less. That's yeah. the elevator pitch. I was thinking of uh, telling some wealthy people that I'm very smart and if they would give me money that I would make some beautiful things happen. I was just going to, that's my elevator pitch. That's your elevator yeah. pitch? I'm very smart? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what Far Off Sounds is. We started in 2012 when yeah. our friend at PBS, producer at PBS Digital Studios, basically helped us get in the door and fund uh, this series for the first three episodes. We took a month-long road trip together back when I was. We were both living in Detroit before I had moved to California, and we we drove south and we did our first episode ever. We drove into the Appalachian Mountains and hung out with uh, the Coots family and made a film about serpent handling Pentecostal church music at their tiny little church in the middle of the woods. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is your main scripture. It's a closeness you feel to God and then and it's a, a peace to know that, you know, God is protecting you in a way that they can't hurt you. You know, even if they did bite. It's just, uh, it's it's an indescribable feeling, really. R.I.P. Uh, Jamie Coots. R.I.P. Jamie Coots. Uh, next episode we made was about um, rogue generator shows in Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay, Florida. 
Yeah. And we spent like three weeks with your aunt, just yeah. living in in like a in a golf resort yeah, down yeah. there. How's she doing these days? Great. I mean, she's like eighty plus, mm-hmm. and she looks like she's like fifty. Like she's young, and mm. she like hops over couches and like giggles. Like <laughs> I, no, that's what she, she does. She's so. I mean, she's she's the best. Yeah. She's so like. Warm, welcoming. Fun. I loved staying with her. She was so chill. Yeah, we like hung out and watched movies yeah, every night. We cooked meals together. She's in amazing health. She was uh, great. Great I'm, to I'm see. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So we did that, and then we we uh, popped on down to Miami and hopped on a cruise ship for a heavy metal, a full three day heavy metal cruise around the Caribbean. <laughs> PBS funded these three episodes. It was kind of a dream come true to be able to run around and do this stuff. Looking back on it, they barely gave us any money, but it felt like a lot at the time. $4,500 or something? I thought it was just 4000 but yeah, yeah either, way, yeah. either way, yes, $4,500 is like nothing our, to make three our episodes. Our friend's mom let us borrow her car. That's right. For like 300 bucks for the month. Like, crazy deal. Mm-hmm. I mean... We scrapped yeah. and we scrounged and we were, you know, twenty somethings just running around the country being dirty and one. But we treated ourselves. We stayed in like nice places. We stayed in cabins and yeah, yeah. Had a whole guest room at your aunt's house. And yeah, we weren't couch surfing by any means. No, we weren't. We weren't exactly roughing it. But no, stayed on a cruise. I mean, yeah. we stayed. Oh, and we went to that treehouse hostel. Yeah, the treehouse hostel in uh, North Carolina, Georgia. Oh, Georgia? On the east coast of Georgia. Outside yeah. of Savannah, I believe. Mm-hmm. That place was cool. That was cool. Yeah. You know, I went back there later. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had a good time, and then we came back to Detroit, and we spent probably a month editing these episodes, and then far, and then PBS uh, said, no thanks, too weird, we're not interested, you don't have a, you don't have like a, a, a Guy Fieri type. Right, you don't have an energetic host. One thing, main criticism is, you know, like, while you were there filming on a shoestring budget, you didn't get any footage of someone actually, like, being possessed and handling snakes. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, yeah, we'd have to, lucky. like, be in the community for a while. Our presence as un, uh, as outsiders filming for a weekend, you know, that's, you know, of course there's going to be energy that isn't present. Absolutely. Yeah, those fun. church scenes were a bit tense. They, they were. were very much outsiders there. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't, you know, they have... Plus, they you know they were they're they're a bit guarded because they've gone under a bit of scrutiny in the public eye. And what they're doing is illegal. Yeah, um, there is that. But at the, I mean, like quote unquote illegal. At the same time, National Geographic or was it Discovery was yeah. filming a reality show yeah, was, about that. It was Henry Rollins' show on Discovery or something. No, wasn't there it? was a whole reality show just about this family. Oh wow! Snake handler Big Cody Wynn has his tongs on a large Western Diamondback, and it's putting up a fight. Man, I wish I wouldn't have forgot my mirror to house. Okay, but then Henry Rollins also went there. A lot of people yeah. have documented them. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they got paid when these really big production companies would come through. We were just kind of relying on their generosity and their desire for to tell their story. It was a really, I mean, I liked it. It was a good episode. But yeah, that that you're right. That was like the big piece of feedback PBS gave was they didn't pick up a snake. Right. Which, you know, according to Pastor Coots down in Kentucky... 
they pick up a snake, you know, organically, they, they get in the spirit to pick up a snake maybe one out of every five church services. They don't do it every time. Oh. You never can say. I mean, I've seen as high as three months go by and serpents not be handled. It's not something that's done all the time. God doesn't always direct you to do it, so, you know, you can't, you can't do it in yourself. We didn't have the budget to stay for a while. And it's like we wanted to focus on the music because, yeah. man. The music was great. The music's amazing. I mean, I'll tell you, one, the one day we were shooting and we were actually at the Coots house, uh, sitting around their living room, watching old church DVDs with them. And the stuff that I saw on those DVDs was absolutely mind blowing. It was, it was shot with like a security camera, like in the corner or something. And like, I like, yeah, I mean, I had never seen, the, the music was insane. Like, so, so good. So raw. Like fully charged, uh, possessed stuff. And I watched like Mama Coots like, like grab a ball of fire and like was igniting it like and jumping around. I, was, I don't know what the hell was going on, but. Some rough shit. Yeah, either. like I was, I was blown away and I was just sitting on this couch in like Middlesbrough, Kentucky. And Eating some fresh killed eat, venison. Yeah, yeah. They, was, were, they was, were very generous and yeah. they gave us some of those videos. Um, and we did put them in the episode. So there Did was, we? yeah, there is, there are clips of snake handling in the episode okay. from the archival footage. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in any case, PBS thought it was just a little too weird and a little bit too kind of like off kilter, not exactly narratively uh, energetic enough to go viral or whatever it is they were trying to do. Yep. I was trying to find um, the actual email that they sent us. The Oh, PBS. Yeah, it's kind of a it's you know it's kind of a dark period. Anyway, it was really disappointing to be. It was like curt in a sense. It was what? Do you remember the feedback from like Danielle's boss? It was like three one-liners or something. It wasn't like a like I've had Grant rejections that were like easier on me. You mm. know. Well, but we had, yeah, but we had just put like four months into this, so yeah, there's no way it could have been easy. I think we got like two sentences back. After I don't even know if I want to go into this on the podcast. It's so it was it was like such a it was uh it was sad. It was, um, but they let us keep the episodes. We got to have them, and we had a hunch that people would still like this and that there'd be an audience for it. And I think that's been borne out. Uh, I think that episode specifically, the one that they didn't like, is maybe our most viewed episode. <laughs>
Um, but it's just a really, it's like a sliver of our story. We really went on to be pretty prolific after that. And we've self-produced 20 odd episodes. There have been sort of like three main pillars of Far Off Sounds. There have been the stuff we made when we lived in Michigan at the same time, which is kind of like the first half of our output. There's the stuff we made in California together when you visited me over the years, um, especially that first big chunk where we shot a bunch of episodes. And then there's the stuff we've made individually, sort of traveling the world mm -hmm. on our own for our own work and pleasure. Right. And between all that stuff, yeah, we've we've put out 21 short documentaries and um, built a pretty great community of people who love the stuff and keep giving us good feedback and keep inviting us to screen at places and to travel with these films. We uh, we have been approached once or twice. How many sponsorships have we potentially well, there was courted? The Bluetooth speaker. No, Logitech. That's the one, yeah, that's Logitech. it, right? I think so. I mean, we've talked. We talked to. What else? Yeah, I don't know. Not many. Four four hour long meetings with, and then straight up ghosted. That we was, don't need to get into that. <laughs> that was one of the last. <laughs> that was one of the last uh, big like, are we doing this kind of moments? Anyway, um, so that was yeah. So that so that that kind of tells the story of where we're at with this podcast. Where where we've been approached by you know we uh, after not getting any way to make money on far off sounds the the cinema web series um even as our fan base grew and grew and people got more and more interested in it kind of online we decided to take a hiatus because we're both busy and we're both working on other stuff and we need to make a living doing the things that we want to do and far off sounds takes a lot of time and energy and so now we're starting back up and we're doing it largely because we've been approached by several film festivals um, one in Kosovo just a couple months ago who programmed a three-day series of screening every single Far Off Sounds episodes in existence. And one in New York City who's, what is it called? TAFF for now. TAFF for now. Um, that is flying me and Nick out to New York and we're going to be guest programming a night of Far Off Sounds content at the film festival with, I guess, John Waters is going to be there. It should be great. So hope to see you October 22nd. This podcast is definitely going to be airing after the film festival, but yeah, still hope to see it. Shout out to the past. Hope that went well. Hope we saw you. Let's say that. Hope we saw you. Hope we saw you. It, it just like the more that we get approached with things like this, the more we got a motorcycle. Hold pause for motorcycle. Okay, the more we get approached for things like this, the more that the more we get reminded that there is this interest that continues to grow organically online. The more we feel like it's worth continuing to make this because it means a lot to people and it means a lot to, to me and to Nick too, I'm assuming. And Nick, you want to jump in there? Does it it just means a lot to me, yeah. It means a lot to Nick. And, um, <laughs> it means the world to me. Are you serious? I wasn't listening. I have ADHD, I always have. I zoned out when the motorcycle drove by. I couldn't stop thinking about motorcycles. If you won't listen to me, what what makes you think a stranger is going to listen to me? Well, this, I don't know. Effects. Like, a motorcycle drove by, and <laughs> I was thinking about the sound of the motorcycle, and I was I put my finger up like to tell you to like, hey, there's a motorcycle, and then I just I just that thought never left my brain while you continued to talk. Wow, 
Yeah. That's so that's a far off sounds moment for you folks. We literally had a far off sound and it grabbed Nick's attention and it wrenched it away from our project. I remember Jacob saying it means a lot to me or something and he was like, "Nick, you want to jump in?" And I was like, <laughs> "It means a lot to me. I don't know." I was <laughs> just trying to play along, trying to disguise my uh my uh yeah, motorcycle. Anyway, um my symptoms. Sure. It's no big deal, Nick. I accept you for who you are. Thanks. So, so after taking this hiatus and continuing to be approached by these institutions, we are jumping back in and we're gonna we're we're starting up a Patreon. We're gonna try to do this, see if we can be funded and sustained by the community that is passionate about the work. And a podcast is part of that. You can't really do a Patreon without having a podcast. So that's why we're here, and that's why we're talking to you. Yeah. And so we, um, I mean, we have a list of like 50 episodes we want to make and, and it's an infinite body of work to explore the story of music on earth. Yeah. And it's been, it's been quite a run and we want to keep doing it. And, um, I want to pause and get a coffee refill from the Keurig machine. Lives in Brazil. I don't know. He's Italian. He's French. He's French. Yeah. Lives in Brazil gets grants from like German arts organizations to go film in parts of West Africa. Right. And then, you know, that's like, that's a crazy trajectory of sorts. And like, how do we tap into that? How do we get plugged into that world? I think you just know people at some point. Yeah. It's always that, right? Grants are tough, man. I've only gotten one big grant in my whole life and I've never figured out how to replicate that experience. Same. Yeah. One grant. What was your grant? The Edie's Award. They gave mm. me $30,000 just to make films for a year. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. The Edie's Award felt like it was going to be life-changing to me. and then There's I no way it wasn't. One. Oh, it certainly was. Yeah. It, made me, it made me think I was a professional filmmaker for the first time. You are a professional filmmaker. I know. I'm, this oh, was oh, oh, 10 oh. years ago. Oh, it made you think you were for, for the, the first, first time. time. Yeah, That's that cool. was the point. I still don't feel like a musician or a sushi chef or a landscaper or a filmmaker or a producer, or a poet, or a golfer. I don't feel like any of those things, and that's like what I, what I like to do. Maybe that's a blessing, though. Maybe. Maybe you shouldn't define who you are based on what you like to do. That's nice. I like that. All it took for me to like realize that I was capable, or uh, to, in order for me to get over my inferiority complex, I, I say my imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. was uh, you know, just to watch a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> Did you get a grant from Wayne State to do some Indonesian stuff? I suppose, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, Twenty three hundred dollars. It's even bigger under, than the other under, one. It was an undergraduate research project. And that trip to Indonesia kind of changed the trajectory of your life a little bit. Sure did. I did everything I possibly could to make that trip happen. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I had to become a certified private investigator, and I had to be <laughs> like uh, Hatchet. No, is it Hatchet or? It's like the uh, medical ethics review board. Like I had to be certified to like ethically conduct research, mm. which was like a really long process. That's crazy. And also the reason I never officially like finished the project because I was supposed to get expressed written consent from like every person that appeared on my camera mm -hmm. to be in this study is yeah. what they were calling it. Mm. And I didn't. What is, so wait, what, what? 
Why did why were you calling this a study and not a film? A documentary? That's what they called it. There was I know, no but who's they? Like why did Wayne you State to... University? So the, it was was it because of the funding structure for the yes. grant? Yes. They had to and through but through like a study through what department? What kind of I guess of study? it was like anthropology. But okay. that was like somehow related to the medical field. That's like, so weird. Yeah. What kind of medical stuff did you need to learn about to get certified? Like eth- basically ethics. Like if you're going to participate in a research study to mm-hmm. further like the field of medicine, you need to have like a whole host of like consent, right? I'm so confused why medicine was involved with this at all. The field of medicine in terms of like studying humans. But that's not anthropology. They don't is not have they don't have a culture. Medicine. They don't have a cultural anthropological review board they only had the ethical review board that was mainly for uh the medical uh college like the college of medicine i filmed a lot of great things but i always had to like cut the shot the shot off i wasn't allowed to include anyone's face and so the easiest like i wasn't about to they 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 like they told me like just make sure you're not like filming anyone's faces when you're doing this you what are you studying people's torsos that's the that's the subject of the study like it's weird filming like kids jamming and stuff like it was such a fucking headache uh and then you know other documentary and then i'm also like informed by a lot of like sublime frequency stuff and like Alan Bishop would just, yeah, just whip your camera out and start filming. It's cool. That's like, what I'd say. Right. And like, you know, but my first engage, my first big project in this world was like completely bureaucratic and, and full of red tape. And I was trying to do everything properly. And I didn't. I didn't do it all properly. And I was terrified of the repercussions. And we should say this was before we ever did Far Off Sounds. Yes. You went to Indonesia, I think, when I was living in Ghana. 2011. In Africa. Right? Yeah. yeah. Fall of 2011. Yep. And yeah, I like, I was, uh, I was terrified of like being subject to like, like they, they would like, they let you know, like if you do this wrong, like you could be subject to fines and, and like medical malpractice. And right. Like, uh, and I was terrified. This is why, I, yeah, this is why I turned and ran away from academic institutions as soon as I got my bachelor's degree in, in 2009 I think one of my heroes has always been you know especially from as a young on a younger age when I was a younger filmmaker Werner Herzog is someone who I emulated and looked up to a lot and his whole ethos is just like never ask for permission do everything just sort of be as cutthroat as possible to get what you need because like bureaucracy and institutionalism is going to trip you up and, and water down what you're trying to do it's true which was helpful yeah. for me I think coming up I certainly have I look a little, with a little bit more of a questioning eye at, at Herzog now, but he's still a hero for sure. Sure. So one of the reasons I came to Detroit now, besides wanting to get out of Los Angeles in the middle of the summer and, and come to a place where there's fresh water everywhere, is because we are shoot, we, we just shot two new Far Off Sounds episodes as part of this film festival in New York that's upcoming and part of the Patreon rollout. And... So I guess we should briefly say what they are. Um, one of them was a follow-up to an older episode we made in 2016 about Onyx Ashanti, who, honestly, it's easier for me to say what Far Off Sounds is than it is for me to describe who Onyx Ashanti is. Sure. How do you tell people who he is? I say that Onyx Ashanti is, <clears throat> is um, like a musician and artist living in the city of Detroit who is kind of, uh, he built, he like 3D prints synthesizers and... Uh, Attaches them to his like, body. Yeah, and like 3D prints wearable synthesizers that then respond to like 
his movements. And so he's using that as like a way to kind of, uh, kind of reprogram himself and like inform his decision-making processes and like learn new things and interact with others. So uh, it's really out there fascinating stuff, but it's... Uh, and he uh, like lives in bombed out houses and works in abandoned churches and he just kind of lives this extremely subterranean lifestyle where he basically doesn't... He like relies on occasional influxes of support from from rich people and from institutions, but kind of lives a, a, a very basic minimalist lifestyle so that he can devote himself completely to this yeah. otherworldly project. I feel like any expendable income he has is just is is uh, spent on like parts for a three D printer or like uh, uh, computer parts stuff like that. Yeah, I mean so, it's it's. I'm, I'm, he's, he's one of the most fascinating people I've ever met. When we first met him, it was the, it was the summer of 2016. Uh, he was creating these wearable synthesizers and they were largely about sound. It was a, an output of sound. The, they would, it would create electronic noise in response to his movements. And, um, you know, that's the experiment. Can we wear our? Can we wear the music? I mean, our brains are musical. Our brains are not verbal. You know, our our you know, our prefrontal cortex does not send words to our occipital lobe or to our visual cortex. It does that in rhythms of brain waves, just rhythms, just going in a wave pattern all over this thing, right? We can do some other. We can do something else. We can do a whole bunch of something else's. And I don't know. I'm in my 40s now. I've already done the stage. I've already done all that stuff. Let's do the other things. Let's do that other shit. Honestly, let's, if we're going to the moon, let's fucking go to the moon. Let's live underwater. Let's, you know, live, let's live in balloons in the sky. Let's make that shit happen. Actually, let's just do it right now. We got all the fucking information. It's all right there. I mean, I don't want to, you know, all the other stuff. I don't even want to give that shit. I don't even want to think about fighting the good fight and all that. That's, that's stupid shit for aggressive people. We can do something else. You know, this was pre-Trump. This was yeah. obviously pre-COVID. It was in a very different world when we last saw him. You know, the world itself has changed dramatically since then, and so has he. And his project, what he's building, has evolved into something completely different, which is not so much even about the sounds that it makes anymore. But... Um, you know, watch the episode to find out more. There's, it's really difficult to describe, and also, you know, you should uh, you should watch it. We shouldn't tell you too much about so it. So one of the cool things about this, like working with Onyx on this, is I'm kind of seeing it as like um, our version of the Up series, you right. know, and and we're gonna be checking in with Onyx's lifelong journey of doing the most like mind bending music experience uh, experiments on himself and just kind of seeing like bio, self biological experiments right as well. just seeing how this progresses uh, so I think our you know our first one was six years ago uh, you're gonna see what he's like in 2021 and I can't wait to check in with him in like 2024 yeah so we shot that so we've got our follow-up episode which we're gonna premiere at the film festival and then and then serve to our patreon to our subscribers our supporters and then we also shot something uh, that is about slot machine music. You want yeah. to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, my friend Adrian Rue came through Detroit uh, some many years ago, 
and just did a presentation at like a, a DIY like underground gig I was putting together for some friends. And uh, he just got up and, and like plugged in like a Zoom recorder into the PA essentially, like where or like a mini like a iPod or something. And he just talked. He's just like, so what I did is I went to these casinos and I just gathered field recordings. Um, and I'm about to just play you the sounds that I experienced. And he's like a sort of East Coast freak. Yeah, you got to check out. Uh, by the time this, you, by the time you're hearing this, you got to check out Ergot Records in uh, the Lower East Side. He just opened a a, a record store. Um, but it's really cool. It's the first time I actually just like listened to like an ambient soundscape, like a casino. Like okay, so the thing is like all the slot machines are tuned to like the same key. It's like C major or something like that, or maybe pentatonic or something like that. And there's also a beats permitted aspect of it. I was reading. Yeah, They're yeah. All 100 around 120 BPM. Right, and so it becomes this cacophonous, but also like synchronous. smooth, synchronous. Like, uh, is synchronicity the opposite of cacophony? Not necessarily. Okay, so it, it just becomes this like wall of like melodic bliss that is arguably designed to trick you into keep spending money and keep hitting the button and keep putting credits into this machine and and i think it's i think cacophonous and synchronous are interesting because they they sound conflicting Mm -hmm. but i think that there's something conflicting about the goal of these sounds which is they're meant to both keep you stimulated and awake and kind of excited but also subdued Right. So there's like that is conflicting as well. Those two things don't typically go together. There's, to like yeah. subdue somebody and stimulate them at the same time. And there's undeniably like a, a beautiful like indeterminacy with all this and like you know no one is necessarily listening to like they're not like trying to play the slot machines together, you know. Uh, uh, people are kind of in their own world tapping the button whenever they can. It's interesting. I never thought about that until you just said that, but it we if you think of it as music, then there are thousands of musicians all playing at the same time. Right. All playing their little instrument, which is the slot machine. Yeah. So let's talk about what we did. So we uh, cut a hole in a coffee cup that we took from the casino the day before, and we fit a GoPro into the coffee cup, and we got some illegal footage of the casino you're it's let's def- call it subversive footage. <laughs> you're not allowed to film in casinos it's like a very protected place actually i found like someone's frequent player card on the ground you found it right yeah and I, you gave it to me i was like all right i'm gonna go turn this in and i like go to turn it in to some people like who work at the casino and i was like hey i found this and they all look at me and like throw their hands up and they're like oh no 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 I can't touch that. I cannot touch that. <laughs> what? Yeah. And they were like, you got to throw that away right now. What? Yeah. I was oh, like, man. okay, cool. Bloop. Threw it in the garbage. But yeah, it's like a, it's like an intense place in that sense. A lot of rules. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, you know, we, we, we walked around taking footage in the casino of the slot machines. Uh, I had the zoom recorder out. I put it on top of a slot machine and got some ambient uh, recordings. Uh, I also would kind of disguise it as my cell phone charger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would, I, uh, a security guard came up to me because I accidentally hit the service me button and he was staring at it and there's no problem, but... Uh, Nobody really knows what the Zoom recorder no, is. No, and it, I mean, but a lot of people know what like your extra battery pack is. Right, right, you right. Know? So, Meanwhile, I was walking around with this coffee cup with a giant hole cut out of the middle of it with 
with a shiny black circle, like just looking like the clumsiest James Bond spy walking around this casino. And like whenever I wanted to film something on a slot machine, I would kind of gesture at it with the coffee cup and talk about it as if I was just using like having coffee with me all the time. Like, oh, look at this little animation up here. You see this? And then I would just do a little sweeping close up with the coffee cup. And nobody ever saw it, as far as I can tell. No one noticed. So at any rate, one of the new episodes is about slot machines, casinos, and the ambient sound, and, and the feeling you have there. And I, the way I've been describing it is like, oh, it's not so much like as a documentary about like slot machine music and like hypnotism. It's more like a music video. Like, yeah, I think unlike yeah. other Far Off Sounds episodes, the, the slot machine music one is going to be much more kind of experiential and immersive and just kind of letting making space for people to just think about it and hear it and see it and draw their own conclusions and have their own thoughts. You know, if you're with us at this moment and you enjoy our, our banter and chit-chat, we might have some more episodes for you. Otherwise, you know, uh, we're going to have episodes that just dive into interviews with people as well. Um, we're going to give uh, a little something for everyone, as long as you like music and sound. We'll figure it out as we go along. We'll, we'll make some out. mistakes. We'll have some successes, folks. This is science in action. You've selected an invalid <laughs> option. Please try again. Please um, choose from one of the following options. For technical support, press 1. That's the one. For okay. billing, for drive-through support, press 1. For music support, press 2. If you are calling about an issue you previously reported, press 1. If you are calling to report a brand new issue, press 2. <laughs> 2. Well, you know, don't you, Kenneth, or haven't I told you, every telling is a tailing, and that's the he and the she of it. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost, you have taken root, and my cold chair has gone ashy. Hero, hero. What age is that? It soon is late. Tis endless now since I or one last saw Waterhouse's clock. They took it asunder, I heard them say, when will they reassemble? Oh, my back, my back, my back. I'd want to go to Aix-le-Pains.